share your word with us today. Father, speak to our hearts that when we leave today, we may go out rejoicing, singing Alleluia, the majesty and the glory of your name. Father, we praise you for being our Savior. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being um, just a beautiful worshiping church today. It's always great to sit in the front of our sanctuary and hear all those voices come um, from behind. Once again, happy Mother's Day. If you came in after our greeting earlier, we want you to know uh, that we celebrate you and we're thankful for you today. And I think Mother's Day gives us a great chance this morning to talk about love And I have discovered when it comes to loving the Lord and loving other people, it's true that we all just have a little room for improvement. Somebody say amen to that. And if you ever get to the point where you don't feel like you need any more love, that's probably a clear sign that you probably need more in your life. And I want to begin today uh, with a story about an old Baptist preacher. He was preaching one Sunday on how this world needs more love. And the next day he was having some concrete poured on his back patio, a new patio, and the concrete had not yet set. And some neighborhood kids looked through the fence and saw a grand opportunity. And so they came over with sticks in their hands and they drew pictures and put their handprints in the concrete. And the preacher saw what was going on and he ran outside in a loud, angry voice. He said, get out of here, kids. And he came back in with a bad attitude and he went back um, into his living room and the wife said, honey, I thought you preached a sermon yesterday on loving everybody. You didn't show much love to those children. And he said, well, what I meant is that I love people in the abstract, but I don't love them when they're in the concrete, right? Well, that's the problem, I'm afraid, with a lot of people today. They say, I love people in the abstract, but when it comes right down to loving people in the concrete, in other words, loving them where they are, that's where we're all lacking. So this morning, uh, we're going to launch into a three-week study. Several weeks will be talking about love, and we're going to be focusing on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I know that many of us know that as what? What do we call it? The love chapter, right? And, I, and I'm glad that you said that today because it's actually the most um, misquoted, misused chapter in the entire Bible. We call it the love chapter. We read it as a beautiful love poem. And that's because we study 1 Corinthians 13 outside of its context. And so that's really the first question that we ought to ask this morning is what is the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Well, the Apostle Paul is the author of the text, and he's writing a New Testament letter to this church in the city of Corinth, and he's talking to them about spiritual gifts. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is basically, he's saying, I want to show you something that's better than any of these spiritual gifts that you're all bantering about, and that's love. He said, love is the greatest thing on earth. And so that's really the context of the passage. And we'll study it that way uh, these next three weeks. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's word. And I do want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 13. And today we're just going to read the first three verses. That'll be our focus this morning. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And now he says, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, 
I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. I want you to look at your screen because I want us to really um, nail this down with a quick summary of what this passage is all about. Let's go ahead and flip the screen over and let's look at the very next slide. And let's read this together. Here's the summary of what we just read. Let's read it out loud. You can have all the spiritual gifts you want, but if you don't have love, they're all worthless. Today, church family, let's talk about love. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I talk about this extensively every time I get into this type of discussion that one of the problems with the English language is that we just have one single word for love. And we use it for anything and everything, don't we? I love buttermilk biscuits. Somebody say amen to that, right? I love the smell of rain after the thunderstorm passes. I love my grandbabies. I, I love payday. Whatever it is, we, we love all these variety of things with one single word. But in the Greek context and in the Greek language, I'm thankful that they had several um, separate words for love. And, and I, many of us have heard this before. Uh, the verb storge was a friendship love. You're probably sitting near someone today that is a friend of yours, and you would say, you know what, I love that individual, but that's a friendship kind of love. Uh, the, the Greeks also had the word eros. It's where we get our word erotic. And so that was a love referring to romantic love. And so you may be sitting next to the love of your life right now, and you love them that way. Uh, there was another word, phileo, right? This is a brotherly love, a family love. And there's probably somebody near you this morning that you would say, I phileo them, and that's that kind of love. And then we all know the unconditional type of love was the word agape, and agape, agape was a word used to, to describe God's kind of love. And, and that's the love that I want to talk about today. The highest, most mature love of them all, agape love. And I, I believe Paul is showing us what happens without that kind of love. And so we're going to march through six ways that love is extremely important, drawn directly from the verses that we just read. And here's the first one I want to roll out for us this morning. Without love, ecstatic worship is just noise. Without love, ecstatic worship is just noise. Now, in this particular point, it starts off in verse number 1. Paul was speaking about the one spiritual gift that was causing the greatest problems in the church at Corinth, and that was speaking in tongues. Now, it's obvious that when the church was gathering in Corinth, there was a lot of ecstatic worship, and that's what Paul is talking about. And it's understandable because in biblical times, there were a lot of pagan religions and pagan worship services, and two of the most prominent were the worship of Bacchus, who was the god of wine or pleasure, and then the worship of Dionysus, okay? And part of the practice of those pagan religions was that people would get drunk on wine and they would begin to babble very loudly. They made lots of noise in worship. Now, we as Baptists probably are not that kind of people. If somebody gets a little bit too loud in the Baptist worship services, all the heads turn. What are you doing, right? Uh, but in the New Testament times, that's not the way it was. They made lots of noise. 
uh, they actually had gongs in these pagan worship services they would bang on. They had cymbals that they would crash together. They felt like the more noise you could make, the more you could gain favor of these pagan gods. But here's what Paul says to them. And he says this in a Christian context, mind you. He said, you can make all the noise you want in worship. You can speak all kinds of unknown tongues. But if you don't have love, it's just noise. That's, that's all it is. Without love, it's just noise. And that allows us now to make a deeper point for us. Because we're not pagan worshipers. We don't have gongs and cymbals today. We're not worshiping Bacchus or Dionysus, but we can say this, that you and I can come to a worship service. We can stand up when we're told to. We can sit down when it's time. We can sing all the right words. We can even hold our hands out and close our eyes, and and we can make everybody believe that we are really worshiping. But if we don't make a heartfelt love connection with Jesus then it's not true worship. It's just noise. You see, love is the key, isn't it? Love is important. Let's move to Paul's second idea. The second one is without love, deep preaching is just empty talk. And this is from verse number 2. Look at it with me. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy... That's the Greek verb for preaching. It's used interchangeably. If I had the gift of preaching or prophecy, but have not love, then I am nothing. Now, this is hard, but it's very true, and we need to say it. It's possible to teach a Sunday school class. It's possible to stand in a pulpit and preach a sermon, and the truth be proclaimed. But if there's no love, the Bible says it's just empty talk. Now, that allows me to tell you one of my favorite stories. It's about an old college professor who was a great orator. And he was asked to go all over to recite the great works of literature. And he had this deep, melodious voice. And the people loved it when he spoke. His execution was flawless. His enunciation was flawless. And he was speaking on one occasion... And at the end of this big orator, he said, are there any requests? And one man's hand goes up in the back, an old preacher sitting on the back row, and he said, sir, would you please quote the 23rd Psalm? And the great orator said, I will, sir, if after I quote it, you will quote it. So the preacher agreed. So the order began in his deep, captivating voice. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it was beautiful. The people were on the edge of their seat. They hung on every word. And and then he came to the last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the crowd gave him a spontaneous ovation. They couldn't help themselves. And then he turns to the man in the back of the room, the old preacher, and he said, Sir, now it's your turn. Well, the old preacher crippled up to the front to the podium, and in this raspy voice that he had from years and years of preaching without a PA system, 
he gets to the podium and he didn't have the right articulation. He, he oftentimes didn't use the right pronunciation, but he spoke from his heart and he said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he goes through the entire thing. And at the end, his voice was merely a whisper. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when he finished, there wasn't any applause. No standing ovation, absolute silence, and many people in the room were shedding tears. And the old pastor shuffled back to his seat. And the great order, very wise, he said this. He says, do you understand the difference? He said, I know the 23rd Psalm, but this man knows the shepherd." You see, there is a huge difference when love is involved. It takes more than just speaking truth to communicate truth without love. Preaching is just empty talk. And so I say to us again, based on Paul's teaching, that love is extremely important. Without love, ecstatic worship is just noise. Without love, deep preaching is just empty talk. Let me give you a third idea from the Apostle Paul. Without love, spiritual knowledge only inflates a person. And another way of saying that is this. It's a whole lot more important to have a right heart than to have a bright head. And we misunderstand this, but John Wesley didn't. John Wesley said, all learning without Jesus is only splendid ignorance. And he's exactly right. Folks, you can be a college professor. You can have so many letters after your last name that you look like your own alphabet, right? But if you don't have love, the Bible says that your knowledge is absolutely worthless. Now, now, many of you know I, I like to fish, and I've never caught one of these, but in the ocean, they, they have what they call a puffer fish. Anybody ever caught a puffer fish? Okay, several, several have. This fish, many of you know this, it can be a normal size, but whenever it's threatened, it has the ability to puff up and look a whole lot larger. And that puffing up is its defense against any threat. But the Bible says that's what happens to some people. People who are proud of their knowledge, people who are proud of the information that they possess, it just puffs them up. And you'd better be careful, right? Because it's not how much you know that counts, it's how much you love people that really counts. The Apostle Paul is making the point, without love, spiritual knowledge only inflates a person. I say again, love is extremely important. Let's look at Paul's fourth idea. This is a big one. Without love, strong faith is dead. Now, the book of James is a great help to us here because James 2.17, and I remind you, the book of James barely made our New Testament. They, they really debated whether it should be a part of, of the Word of God. And I'm so glad that the Spirit led them to include it because James 2.17 says this, in the same way, faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without works is dead. You see, faith is not enough. It's wonderful. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the Bible says. You have to have faith to come to God. We know that. But if you, but if you don't have love and action, that faith, the Bible says, is dead. Here's the way Paul said it. 
I can have enough faith that I can move mountains. But if I don't have love, it's worthless. James goes on to say this about the same topic. What good is it if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you does nothing about their physical needs, then what good is your faith? You see, Paul and James are saying the same thing. And you put those two teachings together, and here's what you learn. Faith plus works leads to love. That's how it works. You can know that you have faith, and you can know that you have love if you're working to serve others and serve the Lord. Without love, faith is dead. Love is important. It's so important. Paul's fifth point. Without love, proud charity is worthless. Go with me now to verse number 3. Here's the way Paul says it. If I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. Have you ever noticed that we sometimes substitute giving things for love? This is, a, this is a bad mistake by many people. And sometimes parents do this. They substitute giving things for love. And some parents spell love, T-H-I-N-G-S, to their children. But I guarantee you this, your child, your kid, they spell love, T-I-M-E. That's what they want. They don't really want things. I give them all this stuff and they never play with it. Right? You ever had that issue as a parent? I bought this nice fancy toy and they're crawling around in the box that it came in, right? A child's really not interested in things. They're interested in their mom and dad, in their family, in time. And it takes real love to give yourself to someone else, doesn't it? I want you to write this principle down. I think I'm going to put it on the screen. Yeah, here it is. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I'm going to let us set with that just for a second. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. There's a story about this old Scotsman. He was nearing death on his deathbed, if you will. And all his life, he had been this evil, wicked man who never would profess faith in Jesus. And he never went to church. He was always angry and vindictive, and, and he had been visited numerous times, but here was the parson, the preacher, going to visit this Scotsman as he lay dying. And he was giving him no hope for his soul, but even at this late stage of life, this stubborn Scotsman was not willing to confess Christ and repent of his sins. And, and he said to the parson, he said, I know I've lived a wicked life. And the preacher said, well, that's true. He said, I wonder if it would help if I gave a thousand pounds to your church. And the preacher said, well, it certainly wouldn't hurt, right? But here's the deal. That preacher was totally wrong. That was wrong because it really would hurt. It would give that old Scotsman some false assurance that he could earn acceptance from God by some work that he performed. 
Folks, anybody who thinks they can earn access to heaven by performing a good deed, by giving something to the poor, or by helping the poor, that's not the point. We don't give to the poor so that we can gain favor with God. We give to the poor because Jesus placed love in our hearts, and we just cannot stand but to give it away, right? You can have charity, you can have giving, you can give alms, you can give all that you want, but if you don't have love, Paul says right here, it's absolutely nothing. So what's important? Love is important. The sixth thing. Without love, noble sacrifice is selfish. Let's go back to verse number three. And here's how he finishes out these three verses this morning. I can surrender my body to the flames. In other words, martyrdom. Martyrdom. And Paul was going to be a martyr for his faith. I can surrender my body to the flames, but if I have not love, then I gain nothing. And so let me ask you this morning, is it possible for someone to die for a selfish motive? Is that possible? Can a person die for a selfish motive? Well, the answer, I think, is absolutely. What about the Japanese kamikaze pilots in World War II, right? They did what they did, not out of any kind of love, but out of a sense of duty and out of a misplaced sense of some reward they were going to get in the afterlife. There was no love involved whatsoever, but they sacrificed their lives. And think about the Islamic terrorists today who die as martyrs because they believe it will give them some elevated place in paradise. There's no love involved there, and yet they still give their life. We even read about a few of the early Christians who willingly died thinking that they would have some type of special reward in heaven. But I'm going to give you another principle today, and let's put this up on the screen and write this one down also. The hardest thing to do is not to die for Jesus. The hardest thing to do is to live for Jesus. How many of us have found that to be true? It's not easy to live for Christ. And I want to lay out just a quick scenario this morning, and I I believe it's far-fetched. I hope it's far-fetched. But I want you to think about it. What if it happened? What if a group of soldiers broke in here this morning and they had machine guns and they lined us all up against these walls in this sanctuary and they said, everybody who denies Jesus may leave. Your life is spared. But if you refuse to denounce Christ, we're going to shoot you dead right now. How many of us would die? You know what I believe is true? I think a lot of us would stand there and die for Jesus. I believe that. I think in this context with all of these Christians around us and many people standing up and say, no, I will not deny my Jesus. I think many of us would die today for Jesus. You would say, yes, pastor, I would die today. And that's good. And if you would die today, here's my question. Are you willing to live for Jesus tomorrow? If you'll die for Jesus on Sunday, would you be willing to live for Jesus on Monday? You see, that's the hardest part, isn't it? The hardest thing to do is not to die for Jesus. The hardest thing to do is for you to go out in a world that really doesn't care about your Jesus. The hardest thing to do is to go live for him. Love is important. 
So let's review. Worship is wonderful, isn't it? It's important. It's needed. You're here today because you're obeying the command of God. But let's have love or it's pointless. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear except they have a preacher? There needs to be preaching, but there has to be love in the preacher for it to be something. We all ought to strive to have spiritual knowledge. In other words, we ought to be studying our Bible, but we also have to temper that with love or it's pointless. You have to give to the poor and those who have needs, but there must be love in it or it's nothing. And of course, we all ought to sacrifice, but remember that he's saying, without love, all of that is worthless. You see, the clearest characteristic of a mature Christian is what? Say it with me. Love. It's not scripture memory. It's not church attendance. It's not tithing. It's love. I think I'll close the sermon like this and sing it with me if you know it. All you need is love. Bum ba da da da.